Tonight I'm going to talk about listening is where hearing begins. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, a single verse in verse 15, and Jesus is teaching on the importance and the significance of John the Baptist and why it was so necessary that he would precede him. And then he made this statement in honoring and recognizing John and his ministry. He said in verse 15, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's many times that uh, we misinterpret what people are saying because we're not listening. And listening is where hearing begins. We may have, to a degree, heard words, but I don't know sometimes if we actually hear the message behind those words. It's, it's a completely different dynamic of just hearing words or understanding the message that the words are bringing. And there's, I would say, uh, a portion of the body of Christ that can recite Scripture, that can tell you the Apostles' Creed, that can say the Lord's Prayer, but it doesn't mean much to them. It's become tradition. It's just become something that, that is part of a religious gathering, but the message has lost its significance. And somewhere in their spiritual formation and in their development and in their walk with the Lord, maybe they've become too comfortable or casual or familiar with the things of the Lord that they don't place emphasis or value or really even have a heart to understand what the Spirit is saying anymore. It's just become that common to them. And, and I pray that it wouldn't be that way in our lives. I know it can be, and at times it probably has been. But maybe tonight's message stir us to love and to good works. So listening is where hearing begins. Uh, since Jesus was trying to give them insight and understanding as to the significance and the importance of John's ministry, because in, in understanding John's ministry, they would welcome his ministry. If they didn't understand John's ministry, they would probably struggle with his ministry. And so one was leading to another, and one message was unfolding the necessary work that needed to be done in order to to understand the next one. All right, our next passage of Scripture is found in uh, Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel, and it's in chapter 4. And Jesus is teaching on the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower, for many of you, you know this. If you understand the parable of the sower, you get the kingdom. It is, is how the kingdom operates. It's the parable that unlocks the truth to understanding the kingdom of God and his governance and his rule, how he works in his life and his ways. And so understanding the parable of the sower is paramount to understanding the way that God works, the way that he governs and the way that he changes us. And in light of teaching this, the disciples afterwards said, Lord, explain this parable to us. Help us to understand. Give us insight. And in verse 9, he makes this statement. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So my emphasis on this particular scripture reading is 
Everyone has ears. You have outer ears, but this isn't talking about your outer ears, your physical ears. This is talking about the ears that you have as far as the ears of the spirit man. Hearing with the inner ear. Uh, one of the funny exercises, I don't know if you've ever done it, um, if you've ever um, recorded yourself and then listened to yourself on that recording, you wonder if it's the same person, right? Because you hear differently when you're speaking and when you're being spoken to. There's a different dichotomy that happens with the human ear and with the inner ear. When you're speaking, you think you sound like James Earl Jones, guys. And we don't all sound like James Earl Jones, okay? And for the ladies, you may think that you sound like, who would be someone fun to sound like? Charlene Brady. All right, you may think you sound like Charlene Brady, but you may not. And the proof of the puddings in what? The hearing. You hear what the recorder or what your electronic device recorded and you're like, no, 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 that cannot be me. And yet it is. It's one of the most humbling things that you, you ever might have to do in, in growing and in understanding how to communicate. One of the first things they ask you to do is to record yourself and listen to yourself when you're speaking. Man, that is so, so humbling. So there is a difference between hearing with the outer ear and hearing with the ear of the Spirit. Hear what the Spirit is saying, not just the words. Understand and really strive to understand the message that God is communicating to us. And in doing so, you will grow. You will grow in your sensitivity to hearing from God. Because listening is where hearing begins in our life. So God has always spoken to his people. That's something that he has always done and always will do. So today he communicates to us by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to reveal or to make known unto us our Heavenly Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. That is his ministry. His ministry is to reveal the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit uses God's word. He uses prayer. He uses times of fasting. He'll use our own conscience or our own spirit. Creation, the still small voice. He uses other believers. He can use circumstances. He can use angels, visions, dreams, and the gifts of the spirit. And we have to keep in mind that the method in which he communicates is not the key to knowing God's voice. We learn to know the voice of God through our personal relationship with him. That's how you become more comfortable and more at ease in hearing from the Lord. So here in a minute, we're going to talk about the significance of the word of God and why it's so primary. Because when we understand the primary way in which God communicates, we start picking up on all of the different little ways in which he is leading and guiding us and prompting us in the course of our life. And if we don't get the primary way that he speaks to us right, we can end up being led astray. There's too many Christians, in my estimation, who want to hear voices, but they don't have the discernment to recognize whose voice it is. 
They don't have the proper filter system built into their life where they can protect themselves from deceit. Therefore, they're easy prey for the enemy. The enemy is a master at twisting and distorting the word of God. And that's why it's so important that Jesus was emphasizing when someone is speaking, when someone is sharing, when you're listening to the word of God, listen, listen with a heart to understand. Listen with a receptivity in your life to hear what the spirit of God is saying to you. And, and I love how God personalizes his message to us. What, what Deborah hears tonight might be different than Derek. And when they're going home, Deborah might say, wow, that really spoke to me tonight. What is she saying? This is what I heard. This is what I heard. And Derek will be like, what? Were you even in the same, were you even in the same service? This is what I heard. Don't you love it that God personalizes it? And his message to Deborah is just as valid as his message to Derek. It's what they needed at that moment. And you're going to see the significance of that here as we continue on our study tonight. So our personal relationship with him is foundational, is foundational. And when God speaks to us, there's typically, usually a confirming witness that accompanies his speaking to us. Why? Because it gives us more faith and more confidence to take a step of faith and to obey him. So when God speaks to us, he always does it with a purpose and it will always be specific. It's specific. It hand fits the assignment he has for you. And you're going to understand that it also helps develop you in Christ likeness. So the time that God speaks is the occasion for us to begin adjusting our lives and orienting our thinking to him. Because when God speaks, he's getting ready to bring change into our life. Most of the questions that people have of the Lord, they want him to do it without them adjusting their life. They, they want God to leave their life alone, and yet they want God to be a part of their life. And you can't have both. If you're seeking the Lord and you're asking him valid and important questions that you would like answers to, and you're seeking his will and you're seeking his plan, you and I have to make adjustments when he speaks. It will require a change in the way that we conduct our life without exception. But the change is always for good. It's always for the best. Because you're seeking an answer to a question because you need understanding. You'd like the Lord's directive in your life. You'd like his counsel. You'd like his wisdom. And so when he gives it to us, we have to be willing to make that adjustment in our life and adapt to what he's communicating to us. We have to permit time to be our ally and not our enemy when preparing to follow the leading and the prompting of the Lord. And we have to remember he will always give us an assignment that will match and develop our calling and our character. 
And when I talk about the calling of God, it's both general and specific. There's things that God has called us all to do, and then there are specific things that God has called you to do. Don't confuse the two. All of us are called to walk in love. Amen. I mean, that is the will of God. We don't have to have any debate about that. It's God's will that we all walk by faith. It is God's will that we all have a prayer life. All of those things are already settled in the counsel of his word. But there are things that God hand tailors for you to do specifically that are unique to his call and his placement upon your life in the body of Christ. And as you obey his written word, you'll discover and have more of an idea of some of the specific assignments that the Lord may give you. And those assignments will continue all the days of your life as long as you're seeking the Lord. You don't get one assignment in life. You get multiple assignments because there's different seasons. And different seasons bring different assignments. And when we're at ease with that and comfortable with that, which is hard to do because what I'm really saying to you is life is full of changes. It's full of changes. And if we want things to be the way they've always been, we're going to miss out on what God is doing today. If we want him to go back to a model that we were happy and comfortable with, you know, in the 90s or 2010, I, I say in the 90s, it's like 30 years ago. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> if you want him to go back to, to what you, you know, you, you're so comfortable with, you're, you're so at ease with, he wants to pull us out of our comfort zones. He wants to do a new thing. And he even says in his word, behold, I'll do a new thing. That new thing brings new seasons, new development, and more Christ-like character into our life. It's not easy. Walking this road of faith is not for the feeble. It's for those that are faithful. Walking this road requires us to be submissive and to pass multitudes of tests in life that we didn't even know we signed up for. We didn't know everything that we got into when we said yes to Jesus, but he brings us along according to our maturity, according to the assignment he gives us, according to the season that we're in, and according to where our faith is. He's never going to do and never going to ask us to do something that doesn't require faith. So take it with a grain of salt and take it as an honor when God asks you to do something that's hard. He believes you can do it. He's been developing you to do it for a long time. And this is where we sometimes struggle. We're like, I'm not qualified. Then let me say this. Maybe you didn't hear from God. Or maybe you did. And it just awoken and awoke you to the reality that you're really going to have to trust him. Doing what we've always done gets us what we've always had. And when we're asking the Lord to do new things, stretch us, grow us, mature us, 
then we have to be open and receptive to the change that he brings. And I, I pray that you'll be like I have been throughout my lifetime, and that is this. Once I take that step of faith, because when I do, he is there, I ask myself why it took so long. But you'll never get to that place until you take that step of faith. You'll never have that experience of why did it take so long for me to obey, for me to trust, to me to, for me to surrender, for me to give up my rights. I should have done this six months ago. I've been miserable for six months. I'm so glad I did it now. That helps us when we begin to get that kind of track record with God. So let's talk about God's word. Are you ready? All right, there's two aspects to God's word that I want to emphasize. First, there's the Logos word of God, and then there's the Rhema word of God. Everybody say Logos. Logos and Rhema. All right, so there's two parts to the word of God. Logos, Logos is mentioned 316 times in scripture. The word Logos and Rhema in the English Bible are always translated word. So where you see the word of God or God's word in those settings, and they're there hundreds of times, then it's either the word logos, and that's mentioned 316 times, or the word rhema. And logos is the written word of God that the Holy Spirit reveals to us as we study. As you study the word of God, The word of God comes off the pages and is revealed to you. That is, the Logos word of God as you study is made known to you. Well, what's the Rhema word of God? Because it's also used in Scripture. But it's not as used as frequently. The Rhema word of God is used 67 times in the New Testament. And it is the written word of God that the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance. So here, hear me real quick. If you don't spend time studying and understanding the Logos Word of God, you limit hearing the Rhema Word of God. This is why I emphasize bringing your Bible to church, like a hardcover, because you can write in it. Because at any point in any gospel meeting, something can be quickened to you. And when it's quickened to you, the best time to write it down is when it's quickened to you. There's another reason that I encourage people to bring their Bibles, and this is just a little caveat. I'm not looking at anyone or pointing at anyone. This is just something I've discovered throughout the years. We come to church for a purpose. We come to worship the Lord and to study his word. When your children and grandchildren see you carrying a Bible, all of a sudden the church is not a place where they just come to have fun and get a snack and see their friends. Church is a place that they come to learn the word of God. When they have a Bible and they bring it to their class, it makes a difference for the teacher and it makes a difference for the student. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's true. And there's a lot of other science behind 
having a relationship with a physical copy of the Word of God because it touches more of your senses than the electronic version. I would not ask anyone not to carry around an electronic app or an app that allows you to open up certain scriptures, but your study should happen here where you smell it and see it and feel it. You can almost taste it, the print off the page. And it just is different. Science proves it out. And so I just let that be something that you can muddle through. So the Logos Word of God has been described as the general message of Scripture that applies to all of us. But the Rhema Word of God is a specific message that fits a specific situation for a specific individual. The Holy Spirit brought something to my remembrance. That's the rhema word of God. Where did it come from? When someone honors the logos word of God, they study. They get the word of God into their heart. So both the logos and the rhema word of God are valid, and they complement and they complete one another. So many of the answers to the questions we have of the Lord will be discovered as we spend time in his word and live a life of faith and obedience. There's some matters or some questions that we have that we don't need to pray about. We just need to study until we find the answer. And then once we find the answer, here's the next part. We have to accept what the word of God has said and not try to change it to fit our life, but for us to change and to fit the criteria of the Word of God. So that is a very, very important portion of us hearing from God is listening is where hearing begins. When I open up the Word of God, I'm listening to hear what the Spirit is saying to me. It's intentional. God, speak to me. One of the great prayers that you could pray for yourself is, God, give me an ear to hear what you're saying to me through your word. Give me an ear to hear what you're saying to me through your word. So are we hearing from the Lord? Great question, isn't it? You know, uh, when we started um, Monday Minutes uh, a couple years ago, and Pastor Drew, that was his brainchild and um, something that he felt would would be uh, impactful and encouraging and helpful to people. I started with this. God, is this you or me? That's what I talked about for like six weeks. God, is this you or me? And I would just take five to seven minutes and just break down bullet points and just try to make it to where the hearer could understand and distinguish and discern the difference between themselves and God. Because sometimes you and I have good ideas. Many times we have grand plans. There's nothing wrong with having good ideas and grand plans, but don't put it in the same category as God said. If you have a good idea and you want to go do it, like, A family vacation, there's a great example. And a husband and wife have been saving and they want to go somewhere and they want to have a fun time. Well, you don't need God's permission to go on vacation. He's already built in one day a week where he says, don't work. 
So he's not against rest. He's not against recreation. He's not against you, you know, using some of your resources to go and explore and to travel and to go to new sites and experience some of the beauty of this world and some of the wonder of this world. He's not against that at all. But I know people and they spiritualize everything. Well, we have to pray about where we want to go on vacation. What about just saying, where do you want to go on vacation? And and just putting together a plan. I, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, if there's... You know, if we shouldn't go, if there's something that's going on that could be detrimental or harmful, just let us know. But don't make stuff up. Don't over-spiritualize things. You know, some people, they say, well, God, you know, He just told me that we need to go this and do this and do that. And I'm like, that's really interesting. It's, it's almost as if they forgot that God gave them a brain to think. That's part of how we love God, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You know, God gave us a mind. And, and when you're talking with someone, if they're in agreement and you're like-minded about it, seems like it could be a good idea. A good idea is not always a God idea, but it's a good thing. Right? Yeah. And a good thing doesn't need to be categorized as a God thing. We just had a good idea. God gave us a brain. It's a good idea. So don't over-spiritualize everything. Uh, Someone said to me one time, you know, I, I had an idea that I need to get in shape. You think that's the Lord? I said, no, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) They said, well, what do you mean? And I said, your shape is your shape. I said, you know, we're like Play-Doh. Our outer man's like Play-Doh. You can make it into a lot of different shapes. If you want a different shape, I don't know that you need God's permission. Just start doing the things you need to do to get into a different shape. You'll suffer enough doing that. Unless you want to put on 15 or 20, right? That's always fun. Just load up the carbs and bring it on. Okay. So many things God has already spoken to us that, you know, we don't have to ask him about. We just need to get into his word and discover. When we discover, it becomes real to us. So are we hearing from the Lord? Quickly, you guys ready? These are filters that will help each and every one of us to prove all things and hold fast to that which is true, which is really good. So are we hearing from God? Number one, is it scriptural? Is it scriptural? That's why I emphasize the word of God tonight. Is it in the Bible? Is there an example of it? Either a specific example or in principle. So let me give you the principle side of it. Does it line up with wisdom? I'm going to give you a really bad example, but it's happened to me before. I've had people say, you know, the Lord told me that it's okay if I don't stay married to that person. And I said, well, what grounds of divorce you have? Well, we're just not getting along. I said, well, I have a lot of verses about how to get along. If you want to hear those, no, God's already spoken to us. And I said, 
Well, I don't know that I can endorse that, thus saith the Lord in your life. As a matter of fact, I'm quite concerned about it because you don't have any grounds or permission in the word of God to take that step. Now, if there were some infidelities or there's unfaithfulness, then that's a holy that's a whole nother subject matter, but it just seems to me like you guys need to work out some differences. Iron them out. Remember that day that you said for better or for worse? Honey, this is the worst. And if you'll work on the worst side of it, it might get better. But if you start running now, you're going to run the rest of your life. They didn't like what I said. Got mad at me. Well, didn't hurt my feelings. Because what I'm trying to do is get people to understand the first filter is always the word of God. And not just an isolated scripture. It has to have two or three witnesses. I want evidence. If if I was being tried in a court of law and one witness put me behind bars, I'd be furious. A good lawyer builds his case with multiple witnesses, and so we should when it comes to hearing from God or saying we heard from God. Is that fair? Right. Because there's always multiple sides to the story. There's people say, well, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Is that ever a card that a lot of Christians play? Waiting on the Lord for what? He's waiting on you. Well, when God speaks to me about serving, then I'll get busy. You walk by ten opportunities every day. Do you need God to speak to you any louder than the need that's screaming at you while you walk by it? Scripture says if we see a need and we have the means to meet it and we don't, where is the love of God in that? Can you hear needs screaming at you while you walk by them every day? Sure does get quiet when we get into the church that, right? Rubber meets the road. Is it in keeping with God's character? Here's another filter. And will it bring glory to God? What's the character of God? It's found in the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. Does it filter through all of those nine characteristics of God? Are some of those evident? Okay, could those be developed in you as you do it? Well, it sounds like it could be a God thing. could be uncomfortable for us, but it could, in the end, be good. All right, does it bear witness with our spirit? God's spirit bears witness with our spirit. Charlene and I went to a meeting years ago in Denver, and there was an, uh, a minister. It was a special service. We were invited to come by another pastor, so we drove across town. And um, we're in the service. At the end of the service, he calls Charlene and I out of the, audit- out of the audience and asks us to come forward. And he begins to say, these are some things I sense and perceive that the Lord wants me to share with you. And... I- I believe he was sincere. I don't believe that there was an insincere bone in his body. But not one thing that he said to Charlene and I bore witness with our spirit. Not one. At the end of the meeting, we were walking out, and we don't question his call. I don't question his sincerity. But what he said to us was not bearing witness with our spirit. It wasn't in line with God's call for our life. It didn't fit his design, the season in life we were in. It, it was, he could have been speaking Chinese and 
as far as, you know, for us, and I needed someone to speak to me in English. And there's two, there's so many people that are going to meetings, and I'm going to close here in a minute with giving you two examples in Scripture. So many people going to different gospel meetings, not to hear, not to hear the Word of God, but to get a word from God without first hearing the word of God. That's dangerous. Because if you just go to hear a personal word from God, you can be taken advantage of. But when you have the word of God in your heart, you have a filter to put everything else through. And God's spirit is there. And how many of you look back and say, someone took advantage maybe of my innocence or my maturity or and said something to me, and I put so much stock into it, but it led me off course. Has that ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me. You know, God can get us, reroute us, and get us right back on course, and that's the good news about that. Here's the last one. What do those in spiritual authority in our lives have to say about it? Did you know that sometimes I'm the last person to know something when someone's making a major decision? And and that at time I don't need to know everything. Please don't call me about your grocery list and if you should buy a pet and what college your kids should go to and if you should marry so and so. But what I'm saying is major decisions you have to have a support system around you that can speak into your life and help you to have perspective. And people that don't have that, that only have the one filter of someone who sees it exactly the way that they do or wants it the way that they do are missing out on a big part of wisdom and godly counsel. Do I need to elaborate any more on that? Expound any more on that? So if you only are seeking out counsel from those that you know will agree with you, that's not counsel, that's agreement. You're not going to gain one thing. All you gain is like, hey, hey, yeah, we're in agreement. We're in agreement. God's going to do it. No, he's not. That's a slippery slope. I know people that want certain things for themselves or their children or their grandchildren, and they want it, but they're not, they haven't gotten godly counsel on the whole other side of the coin. And you know one of the reasons they don't is because they know what the other side of the coin is, and they're not happy about it. Because they are required, they're required to accept another person's sovereign right or will. Because there's always three sides to every story. There's my side, there's your side, there's God's side. And as one of my Bible instructors told me when I was going through counseling, he said, Doug, stay on God's side. When helping God's people stay on God's side. Because if you get, you start taking sides, you're going to, you're going to get divided. And that's not easy to do. You know, that's a challenging place to be at times, but it's the best place to be. And in the end, when we do it that way, we're glad that we did it. Okay. I said I was going to read two, but I'm not going to read two. I'm going to read one example and we're just going to pick up here next. Week. Have you enjoyed tonight's message? Yes. Amen. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. This 
what I'm about to read is so important in order for us to hear from God because listening is where hearing begins. Listen to what these verses have to say. Verse 12, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and he touched him saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together. Notice this phrase to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Notice that the first reason they came was to hear. They didn't come to be healed. They came to hear and be healed. That's an important sequence. If you look, if you want to, in chapter 6, just go one chapter farther and read verse 17 through 19, you'll see the same sequence, the same wording. Hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. We have to come to hear, and then in hearing, the manifestation of God follows the Word of God. God confirms his word with signs following. We have to hear. We have to hear. So these are some things that I want to share with you tonight. Next week, I'm going to talk about when God is silent. How do you like that one? Because really, he's not being silent when he's silent. We just have to interpret silence better. So you say, well, God's not talking, God's not talking, God's not speaking, God's not revealing, God's not prompting, God's not communicating. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, he is. In more ways than you can imagine, more ways than I can imagine. That's why we never just want to get stuck in one particular way. God speaks to us in myriad and multitudes of ways. Let's have ears to hear what God is saying to us. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.